0: The Gospel According to Mark. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah, with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until the son of man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a sign that hung on a wall in an office that read, Systems that don't know what to do, do what they know. Now, we can think about systems in all kinds of different ways. Certainly, a business is a system. Families operate in a system. Congregations are systems. And and we could even say that individuals are systems. And when a system doesn't know what to do, it does what it knows. A woman came home from the funeral of her husband. And throughout their long life together, they had built a home, raised a family, struggled with the ups and downs of owning a business, Walk together through the trials of aging and disease. The entire family gathered there in the home, and and everyone was busy putting out the food that the neighbors and the church folk had brought in, trying to keep the grandchildren from getting too loud or breaking anything. She sat quietly watching the whole scene. When suddenly she stood up and marched into the kitchen and put on an apron and began to work. And everybody said, oh, mom, you don't need to worry about this. You just go and and, and sit down and rest. We'll take care of everything. And after a few times of hearing that, she suddenly turned on them and said, look, your dad and I were together for over 50 years. And now he's gone and I don't know what to do next. But I know how to do this. Please let me do what I know. Whenever we are anxious and uncertain about the future. Whenever we might have more possibilities than we can can work through, whenever we are are worried about what the outcome and the consequences might be, that's when we go to what we know. We revert to what we know because it is comfortable. It's reliable. It's familiar. When we don't know what to do, we do what we know. Peter, James, and John had just witnessed something that was otherworldly, mysterious, quite strange. And they didn't know what to do with it. And I'm not sure we do either, really. I mean, this is the kind of story that probably fits a Bible study where we could sit and discuss it better than a sermon. So so rather than trying to spend time uh, trying to explain it all, I would really rather focus in on their reaction, their response, especially Peter's. Mark tells us that they or that he did not know what to say. But he's Peter. And you can bet he's going to say something. And he did. He said, Lord, it's great to be up here. Let's, let's build some dwellings. Let's build some some tents, some, some structures here so we can stay. And that reaction does seem a little bit out of place. It seems a, a little bit strange, maybe even foolish, like, like he thought they really could stay up there on the mountain when there was no possible way for that to happen. But in reality, it may not be as strange as it seems because it was what Peter knows. It's part of his story. And in order to see this, in order to understand this, it's helpful for us to go back into the Old Testament where we see that the Hebrew people always marked a close encounter with God, a special encounter with God by building something. And early on, it was an altar. They would build an altar to mark the spot where this this occurred. Later on, when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, rather than building an altar, they wanted to take their, their, their marker with them and so they began to build what they called tabernacles so that they could carry the, these things around. They were like, kind of like tents so that they could carry them around throughout their travels. And of course, the, the main encounter, the, the most important encounter, was when Moses encountered God up on Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments. And when he brought them down, they placed those in what was known as the Ark of the Covenant and then they built a tabernacle so that they could carry that around wherever they went. And eventually, that tabernacle moved to become the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple. And so making a tabernacle, which is the actual word that that Peter uses, was exactly what he knew to do. Because when we don't know what to do, we do what we know. But God has a way of disrupting what we know. And this story is a perfect example of that. Mark begins this story by saying six days later. Which makes me want to ask uh, six days later than what? I mean, what happened six days before? And if we go back and look, we find that Jesus was with his disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And that's where he asked them, who do you say I am? And again, it was Peter who spoke up. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And then Jesus began to teach them what that meant. It would mean suffering. It would mean death. It would mean resurrection. But they didn't know what to do with that either. And they, they, they didn't like the sound of that. Peter actually rebuked Jesus for even thinking such a thing. But Jesus pushed back against that. And He went on to say that, that His followers needed to do what He was going to do. They needed to, to take up their cross and follow In other words, to be the Messiah and to be the Messiah's followers means giving up the life we know in order to have life as God gives it. We gain new life when we give up our old life. And so it was after Jesus had told them all of that, then it was He took them up on the mountain where they could see Him in His glory. Jesus was transfigured in front of them. Boy, that's a church word, isn't it? Transfigured. I'd like to have a nickel. No, I don't think I would like to have a nickel for every time somebody said that. I'd like to place a large bet for anybody who said it in the last few weeks. It sounds like a big change occurred. But you know, the word that we translate as transfigure is actually a Greek word that we probably already know. It's metamorpho that have a familiar ring to it? Remember elementary school science where they taught us about metamorphosis? A caterpillar transforming into a butterfly? A tadpole into a frog? Metamorphosis is not really a change, but rather it's becoming complete. The caterpillar always has the butterfly inside, but it's not complete until the butterfly emerges. And so metamorphosis occurs whenever something becomes what it is meant to be, whenever it becomes whole and complete. On the mountain, Jesus was shown to be who He had always been in all of His glory. And the voice from the cloud just added emphasis. It's kind of like God was saying, okay, now that I've got your full attention, here's what I want you to do. He is my son. Listen to him. And a better way of saying that is, keep on listening to him. So once the disciples saw who Jesus really was, then they could trust what he was saying. All that He had told them six days before really was true. And certainly they experienced how true it was whenever He made His way to the cross and was raised from the dead. New life comes when the old life is taken away. Okay? So what does that mean for us? Well, for starters, the fact that we know the whole of Jesus' story and we look at that whole story, we can see that what he said really is true. But his full and complete glory was not seen up on that mountaintop. His full glory came as he gave his life for us so that we might have the life we are meant to have. And as we listen to Jesus, we hear Him inviting us to join Him in transfiguration, to join Him in metamorphosis, to be who we are meant to be. Children of God. And more like Him. Only that's the part of all of this that we struggle so much with. Because we we don't really know what to do. We don't really understand what all of this means. And And denying self? Taking up a cross? I don't think so. No thank you. I think I'll just stick With what I know. But what if living only the way we know how to live keeps us from really living? What if we could discover that God really does want more for us than we want for ourselves? What if we could discover? that abundant life that is meant for us is already a part of us. But that we get in the way of it. That we keep it at arm's length by all of the the habits and the prejudice and the anger and the the behavior that, that we have that we've grown so accustomed to, that we feel so comfortable with. We keep what we are meant to have at bay. But what if we could discover how to have that life that we are meant to have? The one that Jesus came to give us. The question is, would we do anything about it? Would we do it? Would we take the chance of giving up what we know for something new? What would it take for us to give it a try? Maybe a little bit of that glory? I think one of the lessons in this story is that it's an invitation to look at the way God gives us glimpses of glory, an experience of the wonder and the power and the majesty of God that will empower us to dip our toe into metamorphosis. To be completely who we are meant to be. Because I don't think we're apt to do it on our own. I think we need some help. We need some of that glorious light to break through for us. I don't know where your glimpses of glory come from or how often you might have them or if you even have them at all, or recognize them. But I would like to share with you two glimpses that I've had recently, both having to do with getting the COVID vaccine. First, a few weeks ago, someone told me that if I got up and went to the vaccination center really early when they were just opening, I could go in and get a shot. And so I got up really early in the morning and got ready, and I drove all the way across town to be there before 7 o'clock in the morning, not to miss my chance. But when I went inside, I was told that they were no longer taking walk-ins, that I would need to have an appointment. I was a little annoyed. I wasn't rude, but I was annoyed. What are you going to do? And so I turned and left, and just as I was getting ready to pull out of the parking lot, I turned and looked, and I saw the most amazing sunrise that I had seen in a really, really long time. It was a partly cloudy day, and it was like the clouds had sort of stacked on top of each other like an accordion fan, and as the sun began to rise, the whole sky was filled with this radiant red-gold color. And so I pulled over just to look at it for a moment. And then just as the sun crested the horizon, a single beam of light shot up in the midst of all of that glory. And I went from being annoyed to being in awe of the gift of a glorious new day. And then when I did have my appointment, I went over, tried to get there early so I wouldn't miss out. And it was one of those cold, windy, overcast, blustery days that we've been having so many of lately. We were all standing in line waiting to get in and, and this small elderly woman was let off at the curb and she began to slowly make her way toward the building when this really large, burly man walked up to her and warmly greeted her. And he made sure that she got into the right line. And then he stood there with her the whole time, talking warmly with her and, and being a, her companion until she went inside. And as I watched them together, I was struck that this man's tenderness and kindness, it was just Glorious. Glimpses of glory in the heaven. Glimpses of glory on earth. I think they're probably given more than we realize. Given to get our attention. So that we might listen as God tries to encourage us to live the life we were always meant to live. I hope you will have your glimpse of glory really soon. And that it will be an invitation for you to leave the life you know and live life as God gives it. Let us pray together. Glorious God, we confess that When we don't know what to do, we run and do what we know, what we're comfortable with. But invite us to your mountaintop and give us a glimpse of your glory so we can listen again to you telling us how much you want to transfigure us into the rich, abundant, complete life Jesus came to give us in His glorious name we pray. Amen.